Hey everyone, I'm Mr. Hartzler and this is Hartzler University. This is the second episode of our first series titled Advice for Students. In future episodes in this series, I'll be tackling questions like what to do when you fail a test, how to reduce your testing and anxiety, and how to ask for help in school. Now, let's get started. The topic for today is all about money, and this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. And I don't think enough people are open about money. So I'll probably end up doing an entire series on money at some point, but this is just a sampler for my high school students and recent grads. So that doesn't mean it won't apply to everybody, but I'm specifically targeting my high school students and people that have recently graduated high school and, and maybe are just now in college. So the first and likely the most important thing to know about money is that there are only three things you can do with it. You can save it, you can spend it, and you can give it away. It's important to understand that all other things with money fall under these three categories. Then you can decide to how much you want to allocate to each of these categories, right? I mean, but first you have to figure out what those three things are. So saving, spending, and giving away. The old saying is to pay yourself first. This means you save money as soon as you get paid rather than after all your bills have been paid. If you have ever tried the latter, then you know why this is important. No matter what you do, by the end of the month, you will be out of money, period. That's just the way money works. To avoid spending all of your money, you start off by saving some of it first, right? I recommend a savings account that has a high interest rate though. Right now, interest rates are really, really low. That's good if you're trying to get a loan, if you're trying to borrow money for somebody you want a low interest rate. I just bought a house, right? That mortgage, it was really nice that my interest rates were really low. But my savings accounts, it's a bummer, right? So for saving that low interest rates is a bad thing because just a year ago, the interest rate on my savings account was about 2%, which is pretty decent. It's pretty nice. But now it's half a percent. It's not even an integer. It's not even a whole number anymore. It's half a percent. So that's a quarter of what it used to be. That's kind of a shame. But to get the best rates possible, you likely need to look to an online bank instead of a brick and mortar. So brick and mortar, like instead of an actual building somewhere. So think Discover and Ally instead of Chase and Fifth Third. I'm not saying they're bad places. And every place is starting to get better and better, uh, not interest rates, but uh, better and better savings accounts. But for the most part, an online bank is the best way to go. Because these banks don't have as much overhead, they're able to provide you with better rates. There are other ways to save your money uh, and that's mostly, though, we'll get into those other ways when you start to develop a larger pile of cash and when you've achieved some of your goals already, like you bought a house or you have a career, those kinds of things. At that point, you might start saving for retirement accounts or putting money into retirement accounts. Uh, but that's really it's a whole other podcast. So let's not do that one. But I also don't want to neglect the classic piggy bank for your savings. So there's nothing wrong with keeping some cash on hand. I actually recommend having at least $1,000 cash available as an emergency fund. Now, that doesn't necessarily apply to my high school students, right? But there's nothing wrong with high school students keeping a little box of cash somewhere in their room or in their house somewhere. As long as you have the self-control to not spend it, that is the tricky part. I, don't, I wouldn't recommend giving $1,000 cash in your wallet or in your purse all the time. That's obnoxious. Uh, or in the back of your cell phone case. That seems to be where all the kids are putting their money these days. But I do recommend you having some cash at home. Might be nice. Oh, let's go to the football game. Let's go to the movies. And you got some, you know, a couple bucks there. You want to order some pizza? It is nice to be able to have some of that cash available so you don't have to Venmo people all the time. That's just annoying. So the next and arguably the most exciting thing to do with your money is to spend it, right? It's always great to go on a little splurge, spend some money, but it's important to plan for those expenditures. I'm a firm believer in planning, particularly for the large expenses. So now what a large purchase is will change throughout your life. When I was in high school, spending 100 bucks felt like a lot of money. 
I often worked for $5 an hour at the time. Minimum wage is way more than that now. So it was, actually it was more than that back then. But it was a couple of days before I could build up that kind of cash. Likely a hundred bucks, or lately a hundred bucks seems to be kind of average small purchase even. For others, I mean, 10,000 bucks might be typical. I mean, it's all about what your income is, your cash flow is. I mean, for everybody, that's going to be different numbers. So just keep in mind, it's more about you, right? Personal finance is very, very personal. So let's go back to the planning for large purchases. This can help you to make smart choices. This might mean putting a little bit of extra money into your savings account for you know whatever you might want to do. And that's so you can pay cash for stuff instead of getting some kind of loan. Now, I know loans might not seem like something my high school students do, but it, they do, right? I mean, that often means your parents buy your car, but then you have to pay back your parents, right? I mean, maybe they paid cash for it, but that doesn't mean there's not a loan out for you. Even if there's no paperwork involved, that's still a loan. Uh, same thing if you know your buddy spots you on you know some video game or you know someone buys your cell phone, but you got to pay them back. Any of those kinds of things, that's still considered a loan. So if you can save up some of that money ahead of time, that is way better, right? You buy it, you own it, it's yours. So, but it also means waiting a few days if you to make sure you really need that thing. I mean, your phone might have exploded and you need a new phone. I get that. I'm not saying you don't. But just keep in mind with some other stuff, if you just want to upgrade your phone, just think about it a couple of days, right? Just make sure that's the right choice. Especially because every day you wait to buy a new phone, the old phones get cheaper. So it's it's better for you that way. But this can often prevent you from making poor spending choices. This is classic money advice, right? You typically hear, yeah, just sleep on it. But it's really just referring to taking some time to make sure it's the right choice. Do some research, do some saving, you know, make sure you make the right choice. This is important throughout all of your life. Too many people make purchases just on an impulse. It blows my mind because every car commercial makes it think, makes at least me think that on Christmas, everybody just goes and randomly buys a car. That's not how life works. At least I don't think it is. I mean, it's not for me. I plan a year ahead of time before I buy a car. So just keep that in mind. I mean, you don't have to be me. I mean, a year is probably too long for some people, but you know, just think about it for a couple of days at least. Take one night to sleep on it. The last thing you can do with your money is to give it away. I know the last one, spending it, that sounds like a lot of fun, but a lot of people have argued giving money away is way more fun. So that's up to you. I don't know. Think about it. It might sound ludicrous to some of you, but really all major religions discuss the need to donate some of your money. Christianity, it's called a tithe, and it's 10% of your income. That might be more than what you pay in taxes, but that's just what they say. For each person, that is going to be different, though. It depends on your faith, depends on your situation, depends on who all you live with. I mean, you might feel like your family is already a charity case. I don't know. But I also don't want you to think that this just means donating to places of worship or to charities like Salvation Army or whatever, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be one of those. Giving money away is also things like birthday gifts and Valentine's Day gifts and anniversary gifts and, I mean, really any holiday that's on the calendar, really. But all of this can add up to quite a bit. So make sure you think about it when you are trying to figure out what you're going to be spending your money on. I mean, Christmas is about to come up, at least while I'm recording this. And I mean, a lot of people spend a ton of money on Christmas, but for some reason, they don't expect it to come December 25th. So plan for that, folks. Make some choices with that ahead of time. So for kids, I recommend setting percentages for each of these categories, the saving, the spending, and the giving away. But as you grow up, I would encourage you to refine each of these categories a little bit more. Create a, a detailed budget. I have a budget, oh, I should have counted, but there's probably 25 or 30 different lines in there where everything goes into its own spot. I know exactly what I spend my money on. So in high school, I would, I'm would i assuming right now that your family covers all your typical expenses like housing and food. 
probably your health insurance too, because they kind of have to until you're 26, I think. So, well, they could quit before then, but anyway, you get the idea. I would try to save 50% of your income. I'm talking to high school kids right now, right? I mean, for me, it doesn't make sense for me to save 50% of my income. So I'm, I like to shoot for 30, but 50 would just be amazing, but not quite what happens. So typically your income is pretty small. I'd bet my high school students are making about 650 a month. That's just mostly kids, some more, some less, but some aren't even working, right? So they're not making anything. But if you're saving 50%, that means you're saving $325 and that would be great. But that also still leaves you with 325 to spend, which is quite a bit as a high school kid, even after gas in the car and everything. So to put all of that into perspective, if that stays constant for the whole year, 650 for every month, after a year, you're going to have nearly $4,000 saved. That's a new car. It's a whole lot of fun. That's for darn sure. Uh, or just like three textbooks. And you would have also spent $4,000. And I bet you'd be surprised that at the end of the year, you actually spent that much money. If you looked at all of the things you bought, I bet you wouldn't expect it to have added up to $4,000. So to reiterate, these percentages are likely to change as time goes on, right? If you start in high school at 50%, it's probably not going to maintain that. But this, the classic rule for adults is 30, or sorry, 50, 30, and 20. 50% is for your needs. 30% is for your wants, you know, stuff like TV and cell phones. I mean, you don't need a cell phone to live, folks, despite what you all might think. And then 20% for savings. I suggest increasing the savings a bit more. I lean more towards 30% for savings, and I split that in half. So 15% for retirement savings and 15% for large future purchases like cars or, I mean, bigger toys like uh, a nice camera, a computer, things like that that need a, you know, a couple of months, uh, maybe even a year to kind of save up for, right? So now that we've discussed what you can do with money, let's discuss goals. What are your financial goals? Knowing what you want to achieve with your money is the first step to being able to make your money work for you. Depending on your goals, you will have to make certain changes. One of my students wants to be worth $100,000 by the time he graduates high school. That seems like a pretty stinking lofty goal to me. But, I mean, he's probably going to achieve it. I mean, I really do think he's going to. He's made a lot of great choices. So I would have never thought that that would be possible. But so many of my students are making their money from such a young age. I mean, they're making a lot of money. They're making it work for them. Now, others are hoping to pay off their car. And there's nothing wrong with that goal either or anything else somewhere in between or even smaller than a car. These are just specific to each of you. And I'm a big believer in goals. It might be easier to figure out your goals if you think about them in different stages. So what are your financial goals for the rest of high school? For some of you, that's different, right? I mean, it all depends on where you're at in high school. But what about the five years after high school? When do you want to retire? And I know, I know, retiring, that's forever away, but just hang with me. So these might seem like difficult questions to answer depending on your age, but it might be helpful to hear what my goals were. And then you can kind of compare yourself there and you know, start talking to your friends about money. It's an important thing, particularly when we're really just talking philosophically right now about money not specifically about money. So sometimes specifics about money can make people be really mad at you. I don't know why. People are afraid of it for some reason. But I wanted to graduate high school with a car I owned and enough money in the bank to pay for about a year's worth of gas. My first car was a Chevy truck that was as old as I was, so it wasn't too hard to purchase that. I mean, I had a little bit of help from mom and dad, but I mean, that was something they planned on doing, so I, I didn't feel too bad about it either. And I worked all kinds of odd jobs in construction, landscaping, was able to save up a little bit of money. 
So for the five years after high school, my goal was to get out of college with less than $20,000 in debt. Now that could be kind of tricky. So this is where you, you use your goals to help influence your behavior. Since college is so expensive, I decided to start off at a branch campus of a state college. So I went to Ohio University, Lancaster campus. This saved me tons of money. I actually ended up making money at the branch campus, like the tune of $15,000 that I made at the branch campus. Part of that is grants because I went into teaching, but still. Then I spent about that same amount of money to go to the main campus to finish things up because I couldn't finish my I couldn't finish my whole degree at OUL, so I had to go down to OU Athens and finish things up. So that's if you're paying attention here, that's netting zero dollars to go to school. That was awesome, right? That more than met my goal. But that's again, I knew what my goal was, and I made changes and I made decisions based on that goal. So now, when do you want to retire? For me, that's kind of an easy thing, right? Teaching allows me to retire at 60 if nothing changes with the pension system, which I mean, I'm sure it will, but right now it's 60. And that sounds great to me. I'm saving to help supplement my pension, but teaching allows me to have that flexibility to travel well before I retire, right? I want to get that RV more like when I'm 50 and I can actually use it over the summers. So for some of you, retirement might need to come a little bit earlier so you can fully enjoy it, right? If you're working six days a week and you'll probably be working six days a week or some weird off shift or something for a long time until you're 65, 70, you might need to think about, well, do you want to retire sooner? You might have to make some changes in your life for that kind of thing to happen. So keep in mind as you just keep all of that in mind as you think about what you want to do with you know your older self. So the next big question I think we should cover is how much you cost. When I was in high school, my parents did a great job of helping me to understand how much I contributed to the family expenses. In other words, how much did it cost for me to live the life that I was currently living in high school? When you're young, it might be hard to know how much uh, all of those things cost, right? Your cell phone, your house, health insurance. That's one not a lot of us think about in high school. And all the other things like that that you know you don't see, you don't pay. Even your parents might not even see it because it just comes out of their paycheck with their health insurance stuff. But all of that contributes to how much you cost to live the life you're living. Now, I'm not saying high school students should know everything about their family's finances. I actually don't think they should. I think more parents should keep their kids in the dark about some things, but they should be more open about some of the other things. So for me to know what kind of career that I wanted, that I should look into, I needed to know how much money I needed to live the kind of life I wanted to live. Right? And some of you want to live loftier lives than your parents. Some of you could live a, sm- a little bit more of a meager life than your parents, a little bit you know, less lofty. And that's all important to know. So by knowing the cost of your lifestyle, which you probably need someone with a little more life experience to help you figure out what that number is, you can start to narrow down your future career path. I've known many people who get out of college, expect to make tons of money, only to find out that their careers don't pay what they thought they would. Or that their lifestyle just costs too much. That's why people get in credit card debt and have you know all kinds of outrageous things going on in their lives. Their cars get repossessed, right? Even though they have maybe nice jobs, but they're still just living past that. Figure out where you want to live and then start looking at careers. So if you have the end salary in mind, you can make better choices up front. In other words, you should make a career choice based on the lifestyle you want to live. I know this sounds like opposite advice from what people typically hear, but at the end of the day, if you need a $100,000 salary to be happy, there's careers that you can't choose. That's it. I mean, that's just an important thing to know. But it works the other way as well. If you only need $30,000 a year to be perfectly happy, well, then 
you have a lot more career options, right? I mean, engineer still going to make $30,000 might make, it's probably going to make well more than that. A teacher makes $30,000 when we actually would make more than $30,000 most places. So that can be a perfectly fine and an appropriate choice for you. But if you need that $100,000 salary to be happy, to do the traveling and things you want to do, then maybe teaching isn't right for you, right? I'm just speaking from a, as a teacher's perspective because it takes a long time for a teacher to start making $100,000. If you want to be a college professor, well, then potentially a lot of college debt. So that kind of offsets some things. So just be mindful of that, right? Think about those things. I firmly believe that you can be happy in just about any career. So just make sure that it has the right kind of income that will actually make you happy or make you satisfied with the things that you can do with that income. Because I don't think it's the money that makes you happy. I think it's the things that you can do with that money that might help make you happy. So if you're interested in learning more about money and finance, there are several great places to look. For definitions and quick explanations, I would recommend something like investopedia.com. It's a great place. But if you're interested in more articles outlining general concepts, I would look more into nerdwallet and bankrate.com. Great websites, uh, a lot of cool calculators that you can use to figure some stuff out. But I know that I'm also a bigger finance nerd than most, but I've enjoyed listening to people like Dave Ramsey and Farnoosh Tarabi. Uh, Dave Ramsey is kind of a classic one. A lot of, you know, the, uh, I'm not going to say older, but uh, more mature audience. Tends to, that, that makes it sound bad. Uh, some people that are, tend to be a little bit older than high school students would probably listen to Dave Ramsey. Farnoosh Tarabi, uh, she's very young. So a lot of the up and coming finance people are starting to listen to her. So she's pretty good too. If you are really interested in learning about ways to invest, you should read at least the relevant sections to you from the Bogleheads Guide to Investing. So these are the people that invented Vanguard, especially the index funds. So I know some of you are less nerdy than me. So an alternative read uh, is way more entertaining, way less textbooky. Be Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Classic book. A lot of people read it. Uh, I agree with a lot of these guys or that guy's um, kind of thoughts on money. And it's kind of interesting because Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it's all referring to a teacher and a businessman. It's really interesting. And The Richest Man in Babylon is a book I found. It was awesome. It's really a bunch of short stories. So if you're like me and have a hard time sitting down and reading a book, first off, it's a small book, lots of short stories, really, really good. But they're great books. And I've actually read all of these. I actually read the entire Boglehead's Guide to Investing. So and it's a, a decent sized textbook. So there's that. All right. So those were all my main points. Now let's do a quick recap. You can only save, spend, or give away money, and it might be a good idea to set percentages for each of those categories. Now, financial goals are important even in your younger years, so make sure you think about your financial future even in high school. Our last big point is to talk to your family about the life you want to live. Now, you don't have to be rude about it. Right? You don't have to say, like, I want to live a better life than you, mom and dad. But it might be nice to say, okay, if this is where mom and dad are, you know, what kind of careers do I need to make sure I line up for myself so that I can end up with, you know, this, I don't know, we'll say higher status, but having a higher income than what that household you grew up in is, right? I mean, that's something to, to be mindful of. There's nice ways of asking it. And really, you could just be trying to figure out what you cost as of now and start rounding that number up a little bit and doing some research about having that be your starting point. So they can help you determine how expensive that life is that you actually want to have. And that can help make smart choices for your future career path. So I hope all of you uh, listen in next week when I discuss reducing your test-taking anxiety. Thank you to everyone for listening, and I encourage all of you to spend your money carefully and with enthusiasm. Bye, everybody.